The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like our show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. And if you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network, you could be the next big podcast star. Well, speaking of stars, I'm sitting with not just a star today, but a legend, a legend of the Boston scene. And it's about time he appears on the Boston Podcast. I'm here with Charles Dulos. Many know you as Jimmy, Jimmy. I guess. Jimmy or, or little Jimmy, young, Jimmy Jr.? No, plain Jimmy. Just plain Jimmy. Charlie. And, and well, if they got mad waiting for a table, they had swear words about me. <laughs> <laughs> and we may hear a lot of those stories today. So uh, Charles ran Jimmy's Harborside for many years and just a legend of Boston, a legend of the Boston restaurant scene. And so we need to welcome to the show. There it is. Um, so we're here today to hear your story, Charles, and just, I don't know where to begin, really. Jimmy's Harborside is one of the, you know, top five Boston institutions in the, in the history of not just restaurants, but of the city. And now there are so many restaurants down there on the seaport. It's out of control. You were there first. Where do we begin? Where's a good place to begin your story? Let me begin my story by saying... February 12th, 1935, was important Mm -hmm. because I was born that day. (laughs) And today, June 29th, I'm still alive, ready to say these stories. Very good. Very good. So that's how we start. That's how we start, yeah. But um, going back to the beginning, when I went to kindergarten, I didn't know one word of English. Is that right? I just knew Greek. So when I came back from the first day in kindergarten... My dad said, we will no longer speak Greek. That- we will speak English. Now, he, he famously, he came, over, he came over from Greece. My with- father came over from Greece when he was 15 years old. and Without, uh, without too many means. And right? he, land- he landed at Ellis Island, and he was met by an uncle who had a piece of paper saying, we guarantee him a job as a dishwasher. Mm. So that's how my father entered this country, yeah. and then the country's been very great to him, and he managed to make a name for himself, Jimmy's Harborside Restaurant. Right, so that's where it started. He, that's where he, I was started came, like that. Nineteen so, is it? Was it nineteen fifteen thereabouts? He came over. He, he came over when. Uh, gee, you got me the. Exact that's okay. Date. That's okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, nineteen twenty-four, he started Jimmy's, so it came before that time, <laughs> but. Be that. Right, when so I was eight years old, my father used to take me to the restaurant, and my job was sweeping the floor, doing the pot washer, and then I graduated accounting ice cubes. I would go to my dad and say, Dad, there's 700 ice cubes, but I may have made a mistake. He said, Don't make the mistake again. But good boy. Was that, so that was it. That was, that was my. 
beginning in the restaurant business. That, that was a rite of passage. Rite of to... passage, you might say. That's that's correct. So was the was Jimmy's the in the same location for its entire run on the? It was a there? Liberty Cafeteria originally. Okay. Yep. It was two horseshoe counters, mm-hmm. and then my father, you know, started getting famous people there and whatever, and then he attempted to become the first restaurant on the waterfront that had table service. Mm-hmm. And I remember those days that we never had enough money to uh, see if we could start the next day mm, in business. Really? But let me backtrack a bit mm-hmm. uh, sure. before we come to that point. Mm. Um, my father had only heard before he came to this country one word, Harvard University. Mm. <laughs> it was my dad's first choice. It was my last choice. I ended up going to Harvard. And when I went to Harvard... Now, wait a minute. Why, me, why, why, they, hold on. Hold on a minute. Why didn't you want to go to Harvard? It's, I was thinking I might want to go to Ho- Cornell. Okay. To go in the hotel restaurant business. Oh, well, the okay. school is known so for that. So I took yeah. a test at Harvard. Mm-hmm. And Harvard said the worst thing you can major in is economics. And the best thing you can major in is geology. So I said... I'm not going to study rocks for four years. <laughs> I want to do something that might help me. Right. So anyways, in four years at Harvard, my worst marks were economics. <laughs> I took geometry. It was like nothing. I took astronomy. It was like nothing. Everything came great to me. But I finally graduated magna cum sneaky out from Harvard. <laughs> Congratulations. That's, that's my uh, say about Harvard. Class, but, class know, of uh, it's a great what, school, but what year did you graduate? Just, the, the reason why I never really assimilated, mm-hmm. because on Friday afternoons I would leave Harvard, go work in the cafeteria. Okay. So I never got a chance to really mix. The campus life, there. you weren't living the campus life, really. Yeah. I wasn't. Right. And th- you miss out a lot. Sure. Like that. Sure. What year did you graduate Harvard? Uh, 1956. Okay. So I graduated in 56 on a Thursday. The very next day, my father had me working at the restaurant. And for the next years, six years, I had no vacation. And occasionally, he gave me a night off. No, vac- no vacation. But he taught me, you got to work. Mm. And it was expected of me. Mm-hmm. And I try to do the best I can. My father, when he left Greece... He had two mothers. With one mother, there was like eight kids. With the second mother, there was another eight kids. Mm -hmm. But my father, because of the dowry system, Mm -hmm. he gave enough money so all the girls could get married in Greece. He had that, you know. That's the way it worked. Back in the uh, days like that. So let me ask you, before you continue, what what was Jimmy's known for? What was on the menu? What, what, what kind of stuff would you find on there? Well, obviously seafood. It was lobster, fin and hattie. Calamari. Shrimp dishes, shrimp sure. a la Greek. Mm-hmm. All those. My father could go, like, to the best hotel, which was a, the Ritz-Carlton. Mm-hmm. My father could eat the dish, put his finger in there, put it in his tongue, and with two, three tries, he would make it as good if not better, than the Ritz could make it. And that's not bragging. My Mm. father could really do that. Sure. I can. (laughs) I did everything in the restaurant but cook. Okay. (laughs) Well, you did pretty well for yourself given that. So so you're um, 
continuing on after you, you said you didn't have, did you eventually get a, a day off for s- six years after? <laughs> but tell me how it progressed. I finally earned it. Yes. Well, good. I, I would say so. No, but we had a lot of celebrities come to the restaurant. I'll tell you a few of them, like Ted Williams. Oh, my goodness. The famous. Of course. Teddy tennis. Uh, a tennis, I'm sorry. Baseball player. Um, he would come to the restaurant, sit at the worst table, and he always insisted on getting a check. If he didn't get a check, he'd go out of his mind. And also, if a he didn't kid want to, came he didn't... in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. we had to pick up the check. But say it was compliments of the house, mm-hmm. not compliments of Ted Williams. Even though he, he picked... said, if you mention my name, I will never step foot in the restaurant again. Wow. And one day he and my dad are having lunch together, and my father had to get up and go to a doctor. So my father said to me, pick up Ted Williams's check. I says, Dad, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. He says, do it. Mm. <laughs> so Ted Williams asked for his check, and the waiter said, compliments of Jimmy. Mm. He said, no. So he went to a cashier's counter. counter mm-hmm. that was all glass, mm-hmm. and Ted is like this. I Banging want a check. Yep. I want a check. Boom! He breaks the whole glass counter. <laughs> it costs us like a thousand bucks to replace it, and the meal would have been only like fifteen bucks. But that was the way he was. He yeah, wanted no publicity. Very. He, he was very private. Curious guy because he uh, beloved by the city, and yet um, never got along with the writers. You never know, did. Right? Never, never did. Yeah, and and seemed to have that private side, and then. In, in similar fashion, Yastrzemski, who I know you've you've met as well, he was my favorite player when I was growing up. He no, he came to the restaurant often, Did not he? as often as uh, Williams. Williams, yep. but Yaz came over there. Yaz was known as uh, also a guy who would keep to himself. But but I, I don't know what your experience is. Was a nice guy or I, I, I wasn't like with Ted Williams. I could sit down and tell right. stories. Yaz it would be like you know welcome here and right. you know. Little, little things to make him important because he was important, right? But not sharing stories. Wow, that's not hit. He didn't necessarily have that rep- so, reputation. Uh, but but uh, I'll tell you, one time uh, Ken Harrelson, who used to be the, the first Hawk. baseman, sure. and then became a broadcaster, sure. he used to come to the restaurant in the back, and he came there one day and he says, "Ted Williams is in the uh, dining room." He says, I've been with the Red Sox. I've never dined with them. Can you arrange that? I <laughs> oh says, wait a minute. I says, uh, you know, they're discussing business because my father and Ted Williams had the same accounting firm. Okay. And they were discussing a little business mm-hmm. for more pleasure. Mm-hmm. So I go up to Ted and I said, Ted, blah, blah, blah. He says, ah, send him in. So <laughs> you're Ken Harrison, comes, Ken yeah, Harrison comes in there. Yeah. Ten minutes later. My father says, take Ken Harrelson up to the office. Mm-hmm. I took him to the office. Ted Williams went in his car, took out a bat. For the next 30, 35 minutes, mm-hmm. he gave a talk to Ken Harrelson. It was just Williams, Ken Harrelson, and me. Mm-hmm. And he started saying, if it's raining and the ball hits this part of the bat or this part of the bat, if it's a curveball, it's a slider, where will the ball go? And I was so fascinated to hear the 
probably the greatest hitter of all time. If the Marines had not taken him twice, right. he would have broken all the records. Now, so Williams finally lives, leaves, rather. And uh, I go to Ken Harrelson. I says, Ken, I says, that is amazing. You're a great player. And Ted is the best ever. He said, fuck Ted Williams. <laughs> I says, what? And he repeated it again. I says, he's, he's the greatest hitter. Yeah. He's giving you hits. Yeah, again. Yeah. And that was the attitude. <laughs> then after one more year, he was no longer with the Red Sox. Ted Williams. But, yeah. Yeah. but Ted Williams, what he used to do is when he went to spring training, it was a clothing store in Boston. And uh, he would take the salesman as his guest for a whole month. And after Williams practice, after Williams practiced hitting, this guy would throw the ball for another hour, two really? hours, just to get him in the groove. Right. Like that. So, do you remember seeing him play at Fenway? I take it you did. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Was, we had season tickets then. Was he the best? We used to go quite a. And like I said, he was very private. Oh, after my father died, one day he was in the restaurant. And he called me over and he says, sit down. He and my dad used to go and watch boxing matches. I had never seen a boxing match in my life. So he's talking about the different boxes. And then he turns around to me and he says, you don't know anything I'm talking about. <laughs> I says, I was trying to tell you, Ted. I've never seen a boxing match in my life. <laughs> and I was trying to duck out of it. Right, right, right. And right. then the sad thing was uh, when they dedicated the Williams Tunnel, Sure. By that time, he was kind of weak. Yeah. And his daughter came up to me and said, you know, he's going to ask for champagne. The first round is all right. Thereafter, just ignore him and right. say it's coming, it's coming. Mm. We did that. And mm. it, 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 seeing Ted Williams before and seeing him that day was, you know, heartbreaking to yeah. me. Yeah, wow. Like that. Yeah. But, uh, so, he was, he, so he gave a hitting clinic, right, in, in Jimmy's. Yeah. Took out a bat. In uh, my private office. That's that's amazing. He, I've heard tale of him. He was such a technician, and he loved talking about um, the the oh, intricate absolutely. details of hitting. Right. I, rem I remember Mickey Mantle, uh, it's a story where Mickey Mantle sat down with, with Ted and um, – Ted lectured on and on about these, all these. And Mickey Mantle said, I tried to do some of his techniques the next day. I went 0 for 4. I, I said, forget it. I'm just going to go up there and try to hit the ball as hard as I can. Every So it's funny how different things work for different people. But, That's but, right. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, uh, yeah, you, 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 some others you want to tell us about who okay, stopped uh, by the restaurant. Now, Raymond Burr. Sure. Raymond Burr was a Ironside. TV star. Wasn't he Ironside? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And... He was also the first male uh, actor in the first Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. So he used to come to the restaurant, and he would sit down and say, Charlie, come over. I got friendly with him. He would have two appetizers, two main courses, a bottle of wine, <laughs> a couple of desserts, and he was so down to earth. Mm. His hobby was raising uh, orchids in, right? in Hawaii. Wow. But every time he came, he was, he was so a large down man. to earth, so, so nice like that. It oh, that's was, great. You know. Now, he, did, did he have any roots in Boston, Raymond Burr? Any what? Roots in Boston? No, he no, didn't. No, he had no. When he came to town. He was, just yeah. Yeah. going through whatever. Right. And then remember how we went to who, the uh, Somerville gang? The uh, Winter Hill gang, right? Yeah. Uh, how yeah, we went to. How we went to. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
they got a phone call one day, and it says, for you, Charlie. I get the phone, and I says, who's this? Howie Winter. I says, Howie, how are you? He says, you know I'm in prison. I says, I meant how's your health? <laughs> right. He says, I want you to do me a favor. I says, anything you want. He says, I have two young ladies going to come mm-hmm. on a certain day, and whatever they order, send me the bill. Okay. So stupidly, I says, well, give me an address to send the bill. Yeah. I shouldn't have asked for that, okay? Right. Yeah. So they come. They started buying drinks and wines for all their friends. Mm. So Jimmy's was inexpensive. They ran a bill over $1,000. At okay? the time, that's all you so more. Yeah. my office started sending bills to the address, <laughs> kept coming back, no such person, no <laughs> such person. So uh, I, I send an envelope, doesn't say Jimmy's. I said, sir, you asked me to do you a favor. I says, the young ladies came here, and I like to get paid. Yeah. I was stupid saying that. Well. Like that. <laughs> I got a check within a week. Wow, okay. Like that. So, you know, sometimes you got to. Honor among thieves, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, you always treat someone the way they treat you. Jimmy Hoffa used to come to the restaurant. Are you serious? Now, Jimmy Hoffa had a bad reputation. He would always come, sit in the back part of the restaurant, never have a drink, never had a woman with him. Mm. Every time he saw me, he would get up and say, thank you for having me. Really? Now, I know... He'd kill you if he, well, if he wanted if you to. crossed him, I but, suppose. Yeah. But in the restaurant, he was as much a gentleman as you would ever want to see or hear. Is that right? So and, so, I, and he didn't come with a big entourage. <laughs> That's, I, I guess that way he was lucky. Yeah. So two stories about Greece. Please. Uh, my father had gone to Greece after, I don't know, 20 years being here, never going back. So he went there to his village, okay? Mm-hmm. So there was some woman that was jealous of my Sorry. jealous of my family, called my mother up and said, your husband died in Greece, and I'm so glad. Well, my mother got so upset, mm. she called me. So I called Speaker McCormick, mm-hmm. and I told him the story. He called the Greek embassy, and they sent someone in the mountain to look for my dad's body right. or to see if he was alive. Yeah. So he was alive. Oh, so that's what he did. Yeah. And then the second story about Greece, this one concerned me. Um, there was a Greek governor of all the islands in Greece. Mm-hmm. And my father came from an island called Mytilene. Uh, now it's called Lesbos. Okay. Sure. We call it Mytilene, yeah. obviously, because of the word. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he had a son that went to BU. And the son was a real cut-up. And my father... Saved them from jail a couple of times and things like that. So when the governor found out that I was going to go to Greece, no governor had ever stepped foot on my father's island. Mm. I go to Athens, catch a plane to my father's island, and there's the governor with the official jeep, the flag and everything. And I had in my pocket a picture of me and the president, Kennedy. Okay? Mm. So he drove me to my father's village Everybody's impressed, Yeah, but that's the governor. I go there, and I look at my father's ex-house, the deck, and I see a birdcage there. I never seen so many damn flies around it. <laughs> I said, what's that? I go there, and I push the flies away, and that was my supper <laughs> because 
they had refrigerator for two hours a day. Right. They built a private outhouse for myself. Mm. So I had my own personal latrine that no one could use it. That's and good. that was just, uh, you know, sure. a, a fun thing like that. That? that. It was unexpected and the thing. Well, so yeah. you, you've met, you met President Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Oh. My 21st birthday. Okay. Okay. Ted Kennedy had invited my father and I and someone from American Airlines to feed the Senate. Okay. We fed the Senate. After the Senate was all over, Ted came up to us and said, you want to go see my brother? Mm. So we said, yeah, 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 yeah. This is when he's in the White House. the president. Okay, yeah. So they take us to the White House, and the president is busy. So we go in the cabinet room. And I jot down the president's number in case they ever want to call it. <laughs> Someone is secretary of treasury. Someone's this. Someone's that. Like that. And then the door from the Oval Office opens. I don't care if it's a Democrat, Republican, independent, jackass, or the smartest right. guy in the world. It's the most important job in the world. Sure. And the door opens up and he goes to my dad and says, Jimmy, nice to see you again. Come into my office. So for the next 25 minutes, it was just... Your dad and the president? Yeah, and the president. And then, oh yeah, he said to me, you want to sit in my rocking chair? Mm -hmm. This is the same rocking chair that's in the Kennedy Library. I says, yeah, I rocked so much, I got dizzy. I couldn't get off this. They had a seat. They had to help me get off the seat like that. And then he opened the uh, back door from the Oval Office, Mm -hmm. winked at us. Went out the back door, then all of a sudden you see all the Secret Service agents running to sure. protect them right. because it was Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Mm. That's February 12th. It was my birthday, birthday yeah. and he had to go give a speech like sure. that. Sure. So, so that was the story about what, what was what was it like about that? What was it like? Yeah. Seeing, right. What was like seeing President Kennedy in person? Just at 21. I was flabbergasted. Right. I was fly. You know, I'm a family man. I believe in family, but something like that doesn't happen to too many people. And it was the exact day of my birthday. It wasn't like it was a month later, a month before. It was the exact day. So it happens to be one birthday I will always remember. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. Uh, do you like remember? I the, said, do you remember the, the? I'm sure you do remember the day that he died. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The, I was yeah. arrested when we heard that. That uh, was. It must have been a quiet day in Boston that day. Everybody shut up. There was no noise going on there. It was quiet. And a lot of people almost didn't believe it. Right. They thought it was like a fake mm. thing yeah. like that. Yeah. But it was right. a it was a tragic thing. Sure. Yeah. So you have other you have other things that to, to tell. I, I want to properly tell your story. So do you want to talk about other folks that have come by the restaurant? Or? Well, when Bob Hope came to the restaurant, mm. um, he had called up. He was going to Bravesfield. To do something special. Sure. So he and his wife said, when we come to the restaurant, we want privacy. So don't let anybody bother us. Mm. I said, okay. So we made sure no one bothered him. When he got up to leave, Bob Hope, I've never seen this before. You know how in the military when someone gets married, the swords go up and you walk on they make a, uh, yeah. a tunnel of sorts. Yeah. Tunnel. Yeah. They made a tunnel for Bob Hope, <laughs> and he went right through that outside, and then they started clapping for yeah. him. <laughs> Did he strike you as, as a nice guy? or was he it? was? Yeah, he was nice. He was. But I didn't bother him that yeah. much because he said he was in a rush. 
he didn't want to be probably one of the biggest stars in the world at the time, right? Oh, yo, he, yeah, oh, yeah. Bob Hope. When my father had Alzheimer's at the end, mm-hmm. Governor King had called me one day and said, "You know, your dad was so good to me. I want to go visit him in the hospital." Mm. I said, "Governor, I appreciate that, but my father is, you know, not the Jimmy you knew." Mm. He says, "No." So I met the governor outside the Baptist Hospital. Mm-hmm. He went on the phone and he said. For the next hour, I am busy. I am not to be disturbed. He goes to my dad. I said, Dad, Governor King is here. He wants to say hi to you. Yeah. I thought, boom, punched him. What? <laughs> That's how he greeted him. I says, Governor, I says, it's the medication. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> so the governor said, don't worry about it. Yeah. So he wheeled him around for about 45 minutes. All right. and my father had like the drip, you know. Yeah. Intervenors like that, Maybe, yeah. and my yeah. father kept trying to punch him, and uh, ended up, you know. <laughs> That's... I was a little bit embarrassed. My father didn't know what the hell was going on. Well, that was very kind of governor. So that governor was very, King. you know. One time the uh, the state house brought a lot of French um, generals to the restaurant, mm-hmm. and they were sitting there, and all the generals had ribbons upon ribbons upon ribbons. So my dad goes over there, and he, he says to them, he says, I want you to go back to France and tell de Gaulle, we don't need him. He needs us. <laughs> the Americans there, their faces dropped. They was almost ready to kill my father. But he, he meant it. He mm. thought this was the greatest country in the world, mm. and he lived by it. And that's, that's what his life was all about. Now, you, did you, um, I take it you visited Greece many times, back, back, uh, visited family over the years, spent time there? Not that often. Yeah. The one time that you know, the governor took me there. Sure. And one other time I belonged to a group called YPO, mm-hmm. Young President's Organization, okay. and they happened to go to Greece, and I was the only one in the group that knew Greek. Mm-hmm. So I went along with that, mm-hmm. like that. But, uh, no, I... Does it I still mean a lot to you? Oh, it does. Yeah. It does because I listen at night to Greek music, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of belly dancing or whatever, yeah. which is part of a tradition like mm-hmm. that. And I listen to it because when I was a youngster, uh, I marched down Tremont Street in Boston wearing the Greek uh, Evzina dresses like that. Mm-hmm. And I go like the Jordan Hall and dance Greek. Mm-hmm. And I went to Greek school for five years speaking Greek. I, one time I was good because Jimmy's had at one time 200 employees. Out of the 200 employees, I would say roughly 185 of us were the Greek, Greek-American. Mm. You can't do that nowadays. It's, it's illegal. But it was legal then. Mm-hmm. And, and the Greeks that came at that time really wanted to make money for their family, for themselves. And then towards the end, you can say this, mm. and the Greeks came over. They knew all the shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Don't work. Fake an injury. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And and I'm sure that's true with not only Greeks, with Italians, mm-hmm. with Germans, mm-hmm. with everything like that. I got no idea what you are. I'm a mutt. I'm, uh, I'm half Irish, half Jewish. Okay. So. <laughs> you, know, you know what? It's a funny thing is towards the end, I would say 90% of all my friends 
were Jewish. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, we assimilate. I went to more bat mitzvahs and everything like that. <laughs> so I, God. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. every weekend, which one were you going to? <laughs> which weekend were we going to? And it was big. Sure. And, uh, sure, yeah, yeah, And yeah. then uh, one other little thing. Yep. When I got married, uh, it was Archbishop Cushing was the archbishop here. Mm-hmm. And he had never performed a marriage in a Catholic church that was one person Catholic and one Orthodox. Hmm. So I was the first one that, that right? he actually performed the ceremony. Uh, he did the whole thing mm-hmm. uh, because he liked my dad. And uh, that was the marriage thing. <laughs> Funny thing, that night, it was the St. Agatha's here in Milton. Mm-hmm. He got robbed. Really? <laughs> because they figured there were so many wealthy people there. <laughs> it's a good take from the, you know, yeah, from yeah. the trade that went around like that. Right, yeah. But, uh, you know. Well, that's true. Tell, tell me this. What what did you love most about running Jimmy's? What did you love most about Jimmy's? I like the fact that I could speak to my employees. I could speak to customers. I could speak to salespeople. And it was a different era. If we wanted to have, say, lobsters for the next month, a lobster dealer would come up to me and say, Charlie, the price is X and X for one month. We would shake hands, and that was it. That was the deal. I wouldn't break it. They wouldn't break it. The same thing happened with meat. It was a different era. Now, for Christ's sakes, if you roll something, they'll find an attorney to find a loophole, and Mm. you're screwed like that. But... That's why I say I'm a dinosaur. I believe in those days. I believe in that era. And it's hard for me to accept some of the things I see. Yeah. So would you say it was um, it was a family? Did you, did you treat your employees like family? Oh, yeah. I yeah. used to go to their weddings, to their christening. And sometimes I would buy like a icebox. I call it icebox. You yep. call it a refrigerator. refrigerator. Yep. And talking about iceboxes. Back in the uh, cafeteria, before we became Jimmy's, we used to sell a lot of strawberry shortcakes, Mm -hmm. like a hundred a day in the summer, okay? We couldn't afford a machine. Mm -hmm. My father would lock me up in the icebox, give me a big bowl, give me the ingredients, and I would stay there and make enough whipped cream for a hundred orders. You're in the refrigerator? So when I was working (laughs) the counter, someone asked for a strawberry shortcake, I says. We got great apple pie. <laughs> so, 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 and then another thing, when I was working in the cafeteria, uh, people would leave me tips. Sure. And my dad said, an owner's son never accepts tips. Mm. So if you left me a tip, I could give it to the person on my right mm. or the person on my left. So I was probably one of the best loved owner's son <laughs> because I never kept a cent for myself. Well, that was old fashioned. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But you know, you you deserve a few tips there. You know, you, you need money for. I don't know how old you were. Whether we're talking about you know buying your baseball cards, or whatever you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I started off at Boston Latin, being the smartest kid in the class, mm-hmm. and then I had a history teacher who eventually became principal, and I would get over a hundred because he would give extra questions. Mm. So in my junior year at Boston Latin, mm-hmm. third year French counted for three years. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay? So after the second week, 
this guy who was the head of the French department, Max Levine, mm-hmm. said, now we'll begin this class. Greenberg and Dulos will flunk. <laughs> this is at the second week. So yeah. we get back our papers with more red on it yeah. than anything else. And that counted for three years. Mm-hmm. So I left that. I went to a private school in Cambridge mm-hmm. run by a person called Benjamin. Mm-hmm. And I took uh, French. Mm-hmm. And I was the only kid in class, so for three, four hours a day, I was taking French. Yeah. And then when I went to school in the fall, I was the only one taking ancient Greek, mm-hmm. not French. Right. I had enough French like right. that. Yeah. And I learned an awful lot. So, uh, and then I got the nickname Chooch. <laughs> Chooch in Italian means jackass. <laughs> so you got to meet LBJ as well. Just let's add to the catalog of presidents. Just okay, I'll tell that. you this. Yep. When he became uh, president, oh, excuse me, I don't want to talk about LBJ. Jimmy Carter. I'm sorry, I apologize. Okay, okay. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Jimmy Carter. No, no, I won't say the story about LBJ. Jimmy Carter. Okay. He became president. Of course. Right? So Tip O'Neill, who used to be the Speaker sure. of the House, yeah. um, he because of his position, always got the best table mm. when they inaugurated a new president. Right. So when Carter became president, they gave him the worst table. <laughs> he was irate. Yeah. So Carter's uh, Hamilton, who was the chief of staff, okay. came over and said to the speaker, this is a new era. Oh. We don't need you. <laughs> so get used to it. Wow. So Tip said... A month later, they were on their hands and knees mm. begging for his help because Carter couldn't do anything by himself. Right. And, you know, and the rest of one-termer, uh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so that was an interesting story about, about him. You must have met Tip a few years, a few times over the years. Met who? Tip, Tip O'Neill. Oh, oh, yeah. well, Tip O'Neill told me also, he used to argue with uh, Reagan, who was president. Sure. And they hated one another. Mm-hmm. But twice a week or so, they would sit down, have a drink together, and the very next day, they Go would back fight. to arguing, Go right? Back, yeah. yeah. And, and so that was a different era. You could do it. Nowadays, you can't do that. I mean, both sides will kill the person that's doing it. How do you feel about that? I think it's wrong. Yeah. I think, like I said, I'm a dinosaur. I believe in the old thing that yeah. you and I can have differences. Yeah. But it's good differences, mm-hmm. you know. I'm being prompted by your PR person here, who might or might not be your daughter, that um, you have a story about when Nixon resigned. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> when Nixon resigned, mm-hmm. all the TV stations uh, started calling the restaurant looking for <clears throat> McCormick. Mm-hmm. WBZ, ABC, NBC, CNN, all of them like that, right? No, you got to remind me. McCormick was uh, the who was McCormick? Speaker. Spe- speaker, speaker McCormick, okay. right? Speaker McCormick. Yeah. Okay. And finally, the speaker said, "I will not come to any of your stations, but if you come over here to Jimmy's, I will interview. Okay. Give an interview. Right. So I had to go up to my office. In the office, any picture we had of Jimmy or myself, anything about Jimmy's homicide, I had to take down. Wow. So in come all the TV guys, and it was McCormick, me, and the TV guys, right? Mm-hmm. 
So McCormick starts going off and saying, you know, it's a shame this person spent all his lifetime in politics and ended up this way. It's bad, but for the sake of the country, it's good that we move on. Right. But he was saying in a nice way, mm-hmm. not screw you. Right. It was very good. I watched it on TV last night, at that night, mm. and they so edited it that yeah. it sounded like McCog was saying, he's a goddamn jerk. Get him out, and right. Get him out, yeah. get him out. So when McCormick came over the next day, I says, can I ask you a question, Mr. Speaker? He says, yeah. I says, I saw you in the office. I heard you on TV. I said, it's two different things. He looks at me mm-hmm. and he says, that's how it always goes. Really? They decide what they want to publish. Mm-hmm. So from that day on, I never trusted a lot of the stations because, mm-hmm. you know, they're bent their own way. Mm-hmm. Did, like that. So, you know. Yeah. Do you ever have relationships with anyone in the Boston media? Anyone the, the Any Globe, more, Globe or the Herald you know, or anything like that? Since the restaurant closed in 2005. Mm-hmm. I really took a back seat. I meant over the years, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, they used to say more business was done at the bar at Jimmy's Harborside mm-hmm. than it was in the Senate mm-hmm. and the House of Representatives because they would all come over and they would be talking to one another and making the deals and go back there. What was So th- we were, you know, it's not like I was sitting there, oh, what's the deal, what's the deal? Mm-hmm. But I knew because they told me, you know, we're all set now. Yeah. We're all set now. What was a typical night like for you? How would you spend your nights, those those types of nights at gym? Exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Were you able to enjoy it, or was it was it all? I mean, you were running run, until one of the, the very end. Yeah. I never took a drink really, mm-hmm. um, because I saw so many restaurant owners. You know, if I had a drink with you, and they came by, well, is he better than me? Right. Uh, better than me, like that. And a lot of these owners got, you know, and, and once the help knows you're a little intoxicated, right? You have new partners. Mm. <laughs> okay, yeah. Is that a nice way of putting That's it? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, for and sure. And I didn't need any more partners. Mm-hmm. But like I said before, I started to say before, there's a woman that was a tennis pro, uh, Tease, uh, and she gave me the name of uh, Chooch. Mm-hmm. Chooch in Italian means jackass. <laughs> so even my kids now call me Chooch. And well, it when, sounds... she gave me, when she gave me that name, she was going around to everybody at the BAC saying, this is Chooch, the jackass, the jackass. So people oftentimes now, besides Jimmy, it's either Jimmy or Chooch. <laughs> it, sounds like, Charlie. it sounds like it was meant to be endearing. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. it was. It was. It wasn't uh, you know, making fun <laughs> right, of me. But, right. uh, yeah. you know. <clears throat> I enjoyed it like that. Um, God, I said a lot of these stories. Charlie, how how do you hope uh, Jimmy's is remembered? How what? How do you hope it's remembered when people remember Jimmy? What Jimmy's? What do you what do you what do you hope people remember about it? That my dad, who was an immigrant, came over from Greece and established a restaurant. They became well known. Became well known throughout yep. the whole country, right. and that. Uh, we were proud of what we accomplished. We maybe didn't make the money that Pier 4 made for the family <laughs> or other restaurants made for the family. But I was content mm-hmm. uh, doing what my dad 
taught me, my dad taught me, I have to take care of the family. Mm -hmm. That comes over anything. Mm -hmm. Anything happened to him, Mm -hmm. his wife, my sister, that had to be my priority. Everything else was secondary. Was that? And maybe I should have taken more time off the first six years I worked Mm -hmm. and enjoyed life a little more. Three kids went into business for a while like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one here was in the kitchen. She was a good baker. He's talking about Rini. Yes. Rini. Uh, Yes. And this one liked the front (laughs) of the office, you know. And Jimmy, who's not here, actually was a cook. Mm -hmm. And that's why he doesn't like to go in the restaurant business Mm -hmm. because cooks, you know, you sweat. In the back, and right. it's it's difficult, especially in Jimmy's at that time when we were so busy. Uh, sometimes we were served, you know, close to 1,800 people in one day. Wow. And that was an awful lot to get the orders out right. And you're only as good as the help you have around you. Right. They need you. You need them. Mm-hmm. And that's a philosophy my father tried to teach me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope I lived up to it. Now, you you um, you um sent your kids to some of the top schools in America. I know this, right? And yet, they, yeah. and, and, and yet, and they could they, they could have done anything. They've done amazing things. But they all wanted at least to be attached to the restaurant to some uh, degree. Yeah. My son went to Middlebury. That's a Harvard person. I know. But one that likes Harvard. Yep. <laughs> Bowden. Bowden. So my three kids. Really, my got brother a, Matt went to Bowden. I never told you that. Yeah. Missed my you, three kids had a chance to... Uh, Go to great colleges like that. Yes, but they but they still found their way in some fashion. Found oh, their way yeah. back to Jimmy. So do you take pride in that? Is what? Do you take pride in that? The fact that your your kids wanted to be part of Jimmy? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me about I'm, that. I'm glad they never got stuck, like I did for so many years. <laughs> when I use stuck, I don't mean in a bad way. Right. I meant working there sure. day and night. Sure. Uh, you know, I spent maybe. Not counting when I was eight years old, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe fifty years, you know, working in a restaurant like that. It's amazing. And you know, you, I cherish the fact that I could see someone come in two, three times a month, and I could go up to the person and say, you know, I'm glad to see you again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, because we had a staff with old timers, they would remember that you liked a martini mm-hmm. or you liked uh, a Manhattan, right? And the customers were eating it up. Here is wait staff that can hardly speak English, yet they know the drink. Yeah. And we had a lot of waiters that stayed with us for over 20 years. Mm. Now you're lucky if you get 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the reverse. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm saying that, you know, mm-hmm. in a joking way. Yeah. So before we start recording, you showed me a picture of you, Jason Robards, Barbie Benton, and Hugh Hefner. So what happened that night? Do you remember? Yeah. How can I forget with Bobby Benton? <laughs> <laughs> so they were going to make a movie. Yeah. What's a nice girl like you doing a place like this? Right. So Hugh Hefner came over with his girlfriend at that time was Barbara, Barbara Benton. Yep. So Hugh sat in the corner uh, smoking his pipe, and I spent an hour and a half Talking to Bobby. <laughs> so we go out on the deck, and Jason Robots is trying to pick up the girl and make the girl, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting at a table next to Jason Robots, and my part was, oh, a dirty old man trying to pick up a young <laughs> chick. 
<laughs> and that was my part of the movie. <laughs> and then another movie that we never got to was. Uh, and so they they never you tra- you tell me Charlie they never they never released that movie. What they never released that movie. In Europe only. Oh, never okay. over here. So you're famous in Europe. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Kimmy, what was the one about Harvard with the girl, O'Neill, with the girl that had cancer and died? Love story. Love story. Oh yeah, Ryan. O'Neill. We gave him yeah. love story mm-hmm. upstairs for a couple of days, mm. and the only provision was in love story that when they had a scene, I had to be like a waiter mm. giving the girl food. Yep. And they had to focus the camera on me at least 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. And we never charged anything for the room. Oh, that, I see. Okay. okay. Yeah. So the day they were supposed to film, mm. I get a phone call. They canceled that part of the movie. Oh. So I never got a chance to be in that movie, which the love story, you know. Turned out to be a big movie. Was a yeah. great, yeah. Uh, no, great story. Yeah. Then well, I'm sure it would still be a great story. Yeah. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so did you have occasion to meet Julia Child over the year? Julia, Julia Child? Childs yeah. came to the restaurant like that. What was she like? She she was she was nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? I really believe the story she was a part-time spy. <laughs> I really? really I really, really really do believe that. What? But she was she would order fish mm-hmm. uh, and, and be very talkative. Mm-hmm. But you know, once again when they come over you got to give them their privacy, right? You know. No, I had, so that's my, a, that, fa- my father started talking to Julia like mm-hmm. that, and of course, you know, Jimmy being the the Jimmy, yep, and Julia being Julia, right? You know, they Icons. they they hit it off like that, sure. But you, you don't believe Julia was? A I spy? haven't heard these rumors. There are rumors that she was a spy for an American spy, for, yeah. And oh yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no. Tell me. Well, I mean, you know, she was. I, I really believe that. <laughs> Obviously, you three don't believe it. No, no, but I, just I believe heard it. it. I like to believe things like this. I just, I just hadn't heard it. So the theory is that uh, that being well, a, being a famous, I'm chef sure is she a... wasn't a spy like going into Hitler, and right, right, Gestapo, right. but getting facts back, sure, to the you know that can be used and things like that. Well, she was a smart woman. Yeah, she was sure. oh, yeah. very yeah. smart. There are two clubs in Boston that are very famous. Mm-hmm. One is the Schindler Rotisseries. Which honors Escoffier, mm-hmm. and then which is mixed men and women, mm-hmm. and then Escoffier, which is strictly men. Mm-hmm. Um, and my father was the first non-Italian to become a member of Escoffier. Mm-hmm. He was Greek, obviously. Right. So then, when he wanted me to join the group, he resigned. He made me the member of oh, Escoffier, right? yep. and. Uh, I had to invite my dad for every time we had a dinner because mm-hmm. he had no pull. Mm-hmm. I had all the pull. <laughs> so it, it turned out great. Mm-hmm. And it's a funny thing, but three weeks ago, I sent a letter resigning as chairman of the Escofia. Really? Because the last two years between the COVID yeah. and I'm 87, yeah. I wasn't going to the meetings. I wasn't contributing the tasting of the wine, the tasting of the food, like that. So I said, someone else should be. And I made a gentleman called John Vonick, who used to be the uh, head chef of the Ritz when the Ritz was the Ritz. He became the chairman. And as a matter of fact, on July 5th, John Vonick is coming here. 
with the ex-chef from uh, Lockovers. Sure, Team I Lynch. Yeah, so the two of them are taking me to lunch. Isn't that nice? On the front, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's very nice. Tim wanted me to ask you about the three speakers of the house. You, you were in a, a photo with the three. Well, what do we have? Okay, there we go. Uh, who's in this? Who's in this photo that we're looking at, Charles? My dad was Speaker McCormick, mm-hmm. Tip O'Neill, and Carl Albert. Very few times we ever see three speaker of the houses. Sure. And they were at Jimmy's. It wasn't like they were in Washington and my father happened to come by. Right. But they were there. And my father had that ability that if you came over, regardless if you were just an average person or a politician or a movie star, you left thinking you knew him forever. He had that quality, which I wish I had had, but he had that. Not even trying. He, he could do that. It seems like he passed it down to you, I would so, say. So uh, he, he, he was really tremendous. We were we were talking before we started recording about how my uncle, uh, Chris Spinozola, in the restaurant business, and, and you knew his dad, Anthony Spinozola, and Chris told me his dad always taught him to get to know people that other people might not find as important. So my uncle would know all the doormen at all the fancy hotels in Boston. And so whenever we would drive into town, he'd, he, Chris would treat us. We'd drive in. He'd drive up, and the doorman would come right out of the hotel. Chris, how are you? And, you know, and they'd take the car, and they put it in that special spot that you always wonder who's got that spot right in front of the hotel. But it sounds like um, it sounds like your dad enjoyed that. Enjoyed, oh, God. Yeah. That, that was life. Yeah. Like that. I told you the story about Venezuela. We've mentioned a lot of politicians over the years. Did you did you consider yourself a, po- a, a political person over the years? Did you did you back certain people or were you just no, kind of friendly? You have to be you have to be neutral, neutral. Okay. Because you want both sides to come. Mm-hmm. Obviously being Boston, we have far more Democrats come than Republicans. Mm-hmm. And uh, anybody that was uh, that you were always happy to see come into the restaurant? Anybody that came in the restaurant, I was happy to see. It was, <laughs> as long as they paid their check, right? It was yeah. money for us. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, like I said, it was a different era. Sure, sure. How do you hope you're remembered? You're remembered, Charlie. Well, I believe the most important thing in life is not money. It's having kids and having a rapport with your kids. Because I knew a lot of customers at Jimmy's. They were millionaires, but they had no rapport with their kids. Yeah. To me, it was nothing. I mean, what good is money, you know, if you don't have a son or a daughter that, you know, mm-hmm. appreciate it? So right now, at least in front of you, they say they, they love me. <laughs> I, I might have to keep that recording so I can keep <laughs> reminding them they love me. We, I got it. It's good, yeah. Um, well, I imagine it's it's... Then they grew up in the restaurant business with you, and I imagine got to spend a lot more time with you than perhaps other parents wouldn't. You know, if, if you know, millionaires running a hedge fund, the kid's not hanging around the office, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you take some pride in that? I take the pride in the fact that my three kids wanted to work in the restaurant for a while, mm-hmm. and then they went off to different careers, but they didn't, you know, try it. And they got a taste of it, mm-hmm. and I think they understand what the restaurant business is like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't forget, our restaurant that was 
became famous was a different era. Mm-hmm. Now it's big corporations. Yeah. And I don't think you have that respect both ways. Right. For, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for the help like that. So uh, what, Charlie, what is your ultimate meal? My ultimate meal? Yeah. yeah I was stupid. I... When I was in the restaurant, I could have got all the lobsters I wanted. Right. Now if I want a lobster, I have to go out and buy <laughs> a, a fortune to get a lobster. Is The best lobster I ever had was in Greece. I've only been to Greece once, but, okay. uh, but I did it the right way but with someone else paying for me and treating me around. Oh, okay. and, and we had friends of the family that were that lived in Athens. But we went to Mykonos and this, this place on the beach, and they had lobsters that were, that, that uh, you know, would scare you. They were monsters. I mean, and and they they were fantastic. Every everything was great. But so lobster would be lobster would be your go to meal. Yeah, you. then shrimp by the Greek. We cook shrimp with a little Greek touch like that. Mm-hmm. I went to Santorini in Greece, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful, beautiful. I've never been, but I've heard. Yeah. Oh, a beautiful island like yeah. that. Yeah, and seafood is always. Well, so- you know, when I went to Greece, knowing Greek, that opened doors, mm-hmm. and the same thing with you know. Someone is Irish, they go to Ireland. Mm-hmm. German, yeah. you go to Germany sure. like that. It opens up doors like that. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure, for sure. But uh, what? Um, I think my traveling days are all over. I'm 87 now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, for me to go from here to my koi pond <laughs> is a trip. I think you're still sharp as a tack, Charlie, for whatever it's worth. Do you think the, the celebrities of the city felt comfortable Coming to Jimmy's because they knew it was a family place where they could. Oh yeah, that helped. You think so? That yeah. helped because you you try to remember. Uh, and I had this thing that if you were a steady customer and you came in, mm-hmm. I may not remember your name, but I would oh welcome again. It's yeah. a pleasure to have you. <laughs> you know, I would do that, yep. and the person would be happy that I recognized them. Yeah. Yeah. But I couldn't remember all those names with, you know, hundreds of people coming in every day. Mm-hmm. So I, I did that. But the help should know that if you were steady, take care of that person. Yeah, yeah. Take care of everybody, mm-hmm. but particularly the one that's coming here all the time. So are there any great restaurants left? Uh, You're allowed to say no. No, 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 no. That's, that's a, since 2005 when the COVID, I've been out. Uh there's one Italian restaurant here in Milton, or Randolph, that I like, La Scala. Oh, yeah, I've been to La Scala. It's nice. La Scala. Yeah. Um, there's a letter there that I wrote praising the restaurant and the food. This was like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he has it on the wall. And he saw me about a month ago, and he said, Charlie, until the day I die, that letter will stay up there. On the wall. Mm. No one can ever remove it until I'm out of... Isn't that great? And he's much younger, so he's going to be around for a long time. <laughs> so you know your name will carry on for a yeah, long, yeah, long yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so but in those days, if I went to a restaurant, you know, oftentimes the owners, when they found out who I was, they would send over so many appetizers. Mm-hmm. I couldn't finish my main course. Mm-hmm. And then I had a problem. I don't want them to think the food... It was terrible. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how to get out of it oftentimes. Mm-hmm. But I did the same thing. People come in there and yep. I would decide, yeah, mm-hmm. I want to pick up the check. Uh, even like in the uh, in golf, in the uh, Masters, yep. the one at uh, 
The, the country club? Uh, Brookline? The country club? Not Brookline. Oh. The one in, uh, is it Florida? Oh, the Masters Georgia? in uh, Georgia. Yeah, in, uh, yeah. Uh, geez, I'm Tr- not a golf guy. But, um, Trent Jones' yeah. son yeah. came to the restaurant one Augusta. day. Augusta. Augusta. Augusta, yeah, Augusta. <laughs> he came to the restaurant one day, and I started talking to him. I didn't know who he was, and then he told me who he was. And then he said to me, uh, you know, he says, do you want to go to the Masters? Mm-hmm. He says, I'll give you a ticket. He says, all you got to do is make your own accommodations. Mm-hmm. I said, gee, thank you very much. I play tennis, and I don't play golf that much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was something I didn't expect. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was, you know, he offered it to me because I was nice to him, not knowing who the hell he was. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So it works two ways sometimes. You, you know what? You can always tell, almost tell, when someone came in and you talked to him for a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. he's an SOB. He's a nice guy. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, sure. You get it, I, I'm yeah. sure you got yeah. it in your field, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you almost you get a second sense. I like to think I can pick it up pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, you can, obviously. Like yeah, that. well... Um, well, we're almost out of time here, but, um, tell me, I guess, and I, I don't know if I'm sort of repeating myself here, but tell me what you remember about Jimmy's that, what made it special? How, what would, how would you describe what made Jimmy's a special place during its heyday? That we had help to stay so long with us and we had a great menu, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of dishes to choose from mm-hmm. and all done well. Mm-hmm. So that was a big thing that it, we could... Feed that many people in the course of a day yeah. and not get, you know, you always get one or two people that sometimes like someone will say, eat three quarters of the lobster. Something's wrong with this lobster. I don't <laughs> like it. And well, you ate three that quarters of it. Yeah. You know, take one bite. <laughs> if you don't like it, then speak up. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it sounds like you had, it had a particular culture. I, I wonder if that's what set it apart from other restaurants. The, the 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 philosophy that you had. Well, in I running think the, the philosophy that yeah. my father started off with went not only to me as the son that was there all the time, but passed around to all the crew that was there. Yeah. This is way at the beginning mm-hmm. I'm talking about, uh, because when we first opened up uh, Jimmy's and not a cafeteria, we never knew for the next four years. If we had enough money, open up the next day. Right. So we really appreciated that, that we could solve the problem like that. And I think I mentioned before, we were the first restaurant on the waterfront that uh, had tablecloth service. Right. Because no one ever thought anyone would come to that part of Northern Avenue. There were no lights, Mm -hmm. cobblestones, railroad station, tracks going through it like that. So, you were ahead of your time in that regard. So that meant a lot, sure. how I saw it change. Charlie, I want to thank you for sitting down with me and just amazing stories. I had a blast listening to them. I hope you had fun. Oh, I had a blast listening to you with your voice. <laughs> you got a great voice. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank really? you. thank I, you so much, <laughs> sir. So, Kim, we've persuaded persuaded some of the uh, the Dulos kids to to chime in on the dad. This is not um, Jimmy. This is not this is your life, you know. This is but but it's but I'm glad since we have you guys here, Kim Kim Dulos, who ran Jimmy's Harborside for 
many years. You just heard your dad's life story. Did he tell it accurately? I think it was a really uh, fun to hear you go down memory lane. But for us, as his three kids sitting there listening to him, it's not the fame or his success. It's his human qualities that Mm. is what means the most to us. And in every way, dad has influenced our thoughts and values and... It's Aww. about hard work, determination, and most important, love and caring of his family. And that is what you've taught Thank us. You. And I'm going to get a little teary talking about that. But well, that is what you have taught us, Dad, is that it is hard work, love, determination, courage. I mean, it, it took, you had to be so brave in those days to take the risks that, you took and the legacy that you have left dad and, and kim you were you were telling me that after you took over oh she's getting a little getting, i am getting a little teary talking a little, about you dad getting a little dusty out here <laughs> on the on the porch but <laughs> but you were telling me that when you took took over jimmy's some of the things that you you made some bold decisions as well and i take it that you got that from a certain place you got that from your dad I, fair to say I absolutely got the, uh, you know, what differentiated us from everyone else is that we were a family-run restaurant. And when you came in, you saw a family member, and we were so not corporate America. And, um, you know, when you came in, my brother as the executive chef would cook your meal. My sister, who did all the desserts and the wines, would pick out your wines and your desserts. And you just... You don't get that in corporate America, right? So um, so that is what he taught us about the business. But, you know, far more, it was the human qualities that mm-hmm. he taught us. So I will – and I will say that it's not just his uh, two daughters and son. It has been passed down to his grandkids because two – of my children have written their college essays about my dad. Really? That's amazing. Yeah. So um, Johnny hasn't even showed it to you yet, but he is writing about all the human qualities that he learned from you. And he starts it off talking about going to the koi pond and that it's the most peaceful place that he knows and how sometimes you sit there and you don't even say a word to him. <laughs> it's so peaceful. Mm. And then sometimes you just give him just little snippets of words of wisdom. And that that's great? what he ended up writing his essay about. And my oldest wrote his essay about what he learned at the kitchen table sitting with his grandfather and what it means to sit down at a Greek table and and all the wisdom that he got sitting at the kitchen table with my father. All right. Well, that was awesome, Kim. Charlie is insisting that I turn the mic over to Rini because he's afraid Kim will talk for another so, hour. So some of my one of my earliest memories is of my dad's dad, Papu, and him with his fists just saying how important family was and that family is everything, education, hard work. You know, you don't expect anything. You need to work for it. And um, my dad did the same thing and taught us. And, and he, my dad, had a little bit different personality. He never really wanted the limelight. He just was beside, 
behind the scenes, always just working, always just kind of problem solving, figuring things out, and um, never, uh, you know, as a father, never wanted a thanks. He just always did something and, and, and never wanted anything in return, which is part of the reason why the three of us all decided to go into the family business. Originally, I wasn't in the family business, and um, I wanted to be with my dad and my mm. brother and my sister, and so I switched careers, um, and he never asked, and he just, but he was thrilled, and um, he loved having what's your first? There. What's your first memory of going to the restaurant? Um, so I don't know if this is my first memory, but, um, well, uh, yeah, we used to love to run around the boat bar, Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I remember this or from or if it's from a picture, but Lassie came to the restaurant and I was running around chasing Lassie and my parents were telling me, you know, don't pull Lassie's tail. Wait, so it was like purportedly the actual Lassie. The actual Lassie. I have a picture and I love dogs and I was told not to pull. So I was very respectful. Um, so it was just running around, playing with the cash machines. Actually, when my... I had my first son, I'd bring him in, um, and my grandmother would watch him. I'd open up the, uh, the Jimbo's, and then he'd take a nap in my dad's office, and then I'd come <laughs> back, and he'd be hitting the, the cashiers, you know, things. So, yeah. so it was nice he had that time with Yaya. He's right behind you. Always. Always right behind you, Dad. <laughs> Jimbo. You feel like saying a few words? No, you don't have to. You can just, you can just, you can just talk into it. This is Jimmy, who is being persuaded, coerced into this interview against his will. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. What What are your early are your memory? Uh, let's start with that. What are your early memories of well, Jimmy's Harborside? Earliest memories, um, kind of what my sister Rini said. Certainly, just kind of running around the restaurant. Um, really, it was it was a home to us. Uh, my first memories, our first memories of life, were running around there. So. Whether it was your home or your restaurant, it was kind of like ubiquitous. It was sort of the same thing. So we really knew no other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just amazing to grow up in that environment. And you, um, it seems like you didn't hesitate either to go into the family business. What, what, what would you say you've learned from your dad about the business and about life? Yeah, certainly just kind of what we've touched on, humility. Um, it's a pretty challenging industry. I think maybe kind of when we ran it, the second generation, third generation, it was... Uh, just a little bit dynamic, but kind of being able to see the way he did it all those years uh, was really uh, inspirational. And it's kind of amazing, too, to think it's been a number of years now since the restaurant has been closed. Right. Um, and there was obviously amazing times. There was challenging times. But even after all these years, you know, even though we we still speak of the restaurant like it's still kind of an active entity. And uh, the family, as you can see, is still hanging out. Yeah. And, um, you know... It's been an, it was a hell of a ride. Yeah, well, undou- undoubtedly, there's a title for my podcast episode right there. Hell of a ride. What what um, what do you think about the way the in- the restaurant industry has changed? Are those were those the good old days? Perhaps never to return? Or yeah, I, I you know it, it it seems like the industry's gotten much more challenging with the you know the cost of goods. The uh, uh, we we ha- we always had a lot of help. Now even that's kind of a challenge to get. So. While I wouldn't have changed a thing, I absolutely loved it. Um, in some ways, I'm sort of glad that the rest we're not in the restaurant business now, just because I don't know quite frankly how they do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're the third Jimmy in a matter of speaking. Are there more Jimmys coming, or are there any other Jimmys? No. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? 
Your your son is James. Okay, so good. I want to make sure that keeps going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, final thoughts on um, your uh, your dad's. What do, what do you hope your dad's remembered for? Let me ask. Let me ask it that way. Mm. Um, well, one thing I've always respected dad about, and he certainly still has, is a sense of curiosity, his sense of awe and wonder. Um, you know, anything, whether it's birds or koi or Godzilla or, again, Dinosaurs, koi, koi that. or more koi. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he has this sense of wonder about him, and uh, it's, it's really cool to see. Excellent. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Can I say one last story? Yes, of course. One last story. Mm-hmm. I can hold it. Uh, go ahead. When my father was in a nursing home, McCormick got sick, and they took him to the same nursing home. But each one was in a different floor. My dad died, and McCormick was still there. So the nurses told me, McCormick is not eating. Mm. So I go to the speaker's room, and I say, you know, hi, Mr. Speaker. And he says, hi, Charlie. He says, I said, I'm going to bring you your favorite meal from Jimmy's Habitside. He mm. says, no, no, no. I said, I'm going to bring you your favorite meal. It was corned beef hash with egg on it and bowls of whipped cream with nothing else but that. Oh, really? So I was at the restaurant preparing to bring, in the, bring that meal to McCormick. I got a phone call. The speaker just died. Oh, my goodness. So I never got a chance to give him his last meal. Oh, it would have been the perfect last meal, perfect. too. Yeah, yeah. With, because of my dad and his yeah. friendship with him. Wow. And, uh, you know. Whatever. Yeah, nice moment. Yeah, Thank yeah, you, yeah. sir, for everything today. Thank you, Charles. I, I had a blast. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. Go to pod617.com if you want your own podcast. Please follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts wherever you find your pods. My name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.